0: These coronavirus special reports are meant to reinforce the atrium health community and how we each give. The different ways we contribute, the challenges we face, the innovation we deliver. We are in this together and we will beat this virus together. So I have the pleasure of uh, having three of our uh, excellent surgeons and leaders in the community and with Atrium Health uh, on this call because I want you all to hear, the audience to hear, all the different efforts that have gone into preparing for the COVID response from Atrium Health and our surgical colleagues. So on the phone and via Skype, uh, I have uh, Dr. Jeff Niesel, Dr. Brent Matthews, and Dr. Jason Burgess. And I'd like them to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about Uh, their role and um, sort of how long they've been in the community or with Atrium. Um, Jeff, why don't we start with you?
1: Very good, Uh, thank you, Si. So I have been practicing in Charlotte since 1992. I still actively practice in uh, orthopedic oncology. I did take a trauma call up until uh, last year. Uh, I've had multiple roles in the organization including being head of the cancer center for 11 years, and most recently, uh, been chief surgical officer uh, for uh, Atrium, uh, approaching uh, two years now.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Jason, you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and your role within Atrium as well?
2: sure uh, my name is uh, Jason Burgess I am a, a vascular surgeon with surgical specialists of Charlotte which is a large private group in Charlotte um, I am uh, my role on the medical staff is that I am the medical staff vice president um, I actually grew up here in Charlotte and uh, but have been back in practice uh, for 19 years and operate mostly at Mercy
3: Hospital
0: excellent thank you Jason and dr. Matthews Brent Matthews tell us who you are
3: Hey, Saj, good to be back with you on another podcast. Thank you. Uh, So uh, my name's uh, Brent Matthews. I'm chair of the Department of Surgery at Carolina's Medical Center. I'm also surgeon-in-chief of Atrium Health. I've been at Atrium Health for six years after being away for almost uh, 12 years uh, in St. Louis after doing a fellowship in 1000000 basis surgery at Carolina's Medical Center and staying on faculty for uh, about three years
0: excellent thank you thank you all Uh, let me first start off with the questions this uh, the the primary question obviously is how have we as an organization as a community responded to the the covid pandemic as it's approached and is approaching charlotte metro area Uh, i will toss it up to anyone who wants to jump in and answer first
3: Yes, Aj, I'd be happy to take that. I I, I would say from a community, at least from a health uh, care delivery community, uh, we started preparing for this um, really many weeks before uh, it became critical to start adjusting operational um, uh, uh, clinical operations. So we got a little bit of a head start, and, and we've been fortunate in our community just with what is happening Uh, in the kind of our local community, regional community, that we've had uh, some additional time to prepare. And so we started back in early March uh, to prepare for changes in operations, so clinical operations, uh, care model coverage, uh, what it would look like if we had to start limiting or suspending uh, surgical services, Uh, reorganizing responsibilities or asking people to take on roles who are leaders but taking on uh, leadership roles in this process and response planning and uh, so uh, I would say from a medical community standpoint we're we're very well prepared or as prepared as we could be. We've certainly gotten tremendous amount of support uh, from our Atrium Health executive leadership so the resources that we need whether that's uh, people, whether that's um, uh, uh, capital uh, spending, whether that's um, uh, just moral support has been there, so the, the, the partnership has been fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's, that's uh, I've definitely been communicated that way. Um, and Jeff, what about you? Uh, from your perspective, I know you've also helped consolidate a lot of the efforts so between you and Brent, uh, communicating amongst all the surgeon groups to make sure that we're aligned uh, what did all that entail?
1: Yes, uh, thanks, Saj. Yeah, I'd like to give a real shout out to the uh, surgical community. You know, we made an ask uh, in mid-March uh, to our uh, surgical community, which we included both employed and affiliated surgical groups to look at uh, their own uh, practices, uh, define uh, essential uh, versus non-essential surgeries, meaning those essential surgeries that would have an impact on people's uh, welfare in the short term versus a non-essential, which if we had to go ahead and defer surgeries, say, for three months, that the patient's condition would not uh, decline. And then make uh, proactive decisions about canceling those when we uh, came forward with the ask. And it was remarkable because we actually sent the ask out around the uh, – 15th of March to be prepared uh, to have to cancel and around the 17th of March actually is, is when the ask uh, came and over a period of about 10 to 14 days, we decreased the amount of surgeries that we were doing at our, at our variety of facilities uh, over 50% and in some circumstances wow. even close to 80%. So. Wow. And, and this was this was voluntary, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of people following the request for, for the benefit of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously this had a great impact uh, on people's practices and also on the people living in the community, but it, I think it was everybody understanding what the right thing was to do.
0: Yeah, I think you hit on a key word there, right? It was voluntary and it was, you know, it was an ask, but it wasn't a mandate and voluntarily people responded, right?
1: Yes, yes, and I think Jason probably could offer a perspective on, on that. Uh, just you know, touching on some of the things we had talked about earlier.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I was going to segue right there to him because uh, Jason. I mean, you're a private practice physician. You and your group have been in this community for quite some time, and you're great partners with Surgical Specialties of Charlotte with Atrium. Uh, how did this impact you or the ass that Jeff was alluding to there?
2: Well, it was, it was, uh, we were certainly, we're certainly up to the challenge and we, we recognize that this is, you know, for the betterment of the community and, and that's why we're here in Charlotte. It's not, you know, it, we're here to, to help with the, the health of the Charlotte community. And so when, when the ask came to slow down on elective surgeries, uh, we did, a, we did so immediately. And, you know, we do have a, a kind of a, 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 challenge of being, uh, in private practice, which means we're basically a small business. Yeah. And uh, we have loyalty to our employees who have shown us loyalty throughout the year. so it's it's definitely going to be a struggle of two, uh, 2020 is going to be a real struggle for us, but we are committed to uh, keep all keep uh, as almost all of our employees and keep them uh, fully employed and um, and uh, you know, I think that the Charlotte community will be better for it, but uh, it's sacrifices that we're all having to make.
0: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a really good point, right? I mean, we're balancing the financial short-term challenges for the betterment from a public health perspective of all of our community. And I think that, uh, you know, when you mentioned, Jeff and Brent, that this was a voluntary ask, I mean, all the organizations have been doing that uh, because we know that this has significant uh, ramifications to our Charlotte community as a whole. And, and did you get any pushback? From any providers or any groups?
1: Uh, no, honest, no, not not really. It was pretty remarkable. Very few outliers, uh, and even then, uh, once it was pointed out, uh, people responded awfully well.
0: That's that's wonderful. Yeah, and that's that shows. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I would also say that we all we. It required us to partner with our uh, affiliated uh, uh, surgical groups in a way that we, you know, we typically don't, and that is, you know, all coming together and saying, what can we do to have workforce sustainability in the event that we see a large surge in the community, and our hospitals get overrun with capacity? Um, how can we reallocate a workforce? Uh, across all of our facilities regardless of what your practice affiliation or employment uh uh status is whether you're you know uh natrium health employed surgeon or you're an independent practice uh what would happen in the event that the the workforce itself was affected by covid um uh and and we started to have gaps in certain locations and, and we have we essentially have a response plan in place that no matter, uh, who you are, it's really about, you know, you're a general surgeon. Your responsibility to the community is to manage a, a, in that situation, urgent, emergent general surgery and people being willing to go all across the, me- the metropolitan area at any location to fulfill any need, regardless of, you know, where your affiliations are in, in normal state. And to me, it, it was uh, an extremely refreshing um, uh, to, uh, to witness the the collegiality, the collaboration, uh, everybody really being uh, having a, a shared purpose as to you know, how can we how can we serve our community with this pandemic.
0: Perfect, uh, Jason. I mean, you all would have been uh, also asked to partner in that. Do you have uh, any any comments or feedback related to that? This this workforce planning, in case there is a uh, mass need of uh, surgeons to be part of the workforce.
2: Uh, well, no, we're we're ready. I mean, uh, we are. We we've had several uh, Skype meetings, uh, yeah. and uh, we are ready to be uh, redeployed where needed. Um, we we don't. Start, we look at this as a, a community. Um, emergency, and, and it's going to take the whole community to get through it, and we, we I think we've had a little bit of a benefit that it hasn't hit Charlotte as soon as it hit, like, New York, yeah. Or and so we've had a little bit of time to prepare for it, but the amount of work that's gone into this has been unbelievably impressive uh, from my standpoint, so I, I think that we're ready.
0: And and, and you, you mentioned some key words there, the amount of work that's gone into it. Have you felt, uh, you and your group, felt that you've been involved at every step of the process, that it's a, it's a joint, as as Brent mentioned, a partnership together to come up with a solution?
2: The, the short answer is yes. I mean, we, we do have gotten, uh, I think that Atrium has done a good job with actually uh, limiting the number of emails that they've been distributing to us. And our group pre- president, Louis Zabinden has also been, uh, communicating with us yeah. uh with uh with messages from atrium so uh you know we are we are all ready to to if if there's an on if there's a, a wave of patients come in we're we're ready to help wherever we can uh at, a, at any facility in the in the charlotte metro area uh, we're already at all the hospitals around charlotte so it's easy for us to if we have a if one of our partners gets uh Covid nineteen and get sick, then we can redeploy other other partners to staff where, where where we have a shortage. So we're ready, and we don't expect this is going to go on for a year. So you know we're ready for this.
0: Understood, understood. Now, uh, what other exciting sort of solutions have you all looked at? Uh, I mean, obviously the workforce planning, the preparation, in, you know, with regards to reduction in elective surgeries, or sorry, eliminating elective surgeries. And, and other steps therein. What other kinds of uh, innovative and or collaborative solutions have been put forth, uh, Jeff uh, or, or, or Brent, or even Jason, that you've seen Atrium put into this that uh, gets us prepared uh, for the next phase?
1: I'll, I'll just throw out two, because I know Brent's going to have a whole bunch. <laughs> so uh, just regarding communications, uh, Saj, you know, I've. I'm very happy that we've actually uh, limited the uh, communications into a condensed version so that we're not overwhelmed within surgery uh, and, and that is that was a very specific effort we actually have a uh, distribution list that's called the House of Surgery COVID nineteen. Uh, th- that's our distribution list, and it is the House of Surgery. So it's it's employed, it's affiliated, it's orthopedics, it's surgery, it's neurosurgery. It involves the uh, leaders of all the institutes. Mm-hmm. It involves the uh, all the facility uh, uh, presidents and market leaders from an administrative standpoint, so they know that w- what we're saying. But it also involves all the division chiefs from all the specialties and the affiliated groups. So we use this, uh, to cascade information as a, as a, hopefully a, a single source of agreed upon information within the house of surgery. Right. And that, that involves many people from the the adult critical care side, uh, as well as, uh, from internally, into, uh, the, uh, operational side uh, of the operating rooms and also trying to condense down information about PPE, which uh, mm-hmm. you know has been evolving almost daily yeah. uh, as a single source of truth. So I, I think that, that that in particular is, uh, is worth a, a shout out. It,
0: it really is, Jeff, I mean, because you've tried to streamline it to very surgical or procedural focused areas and then allowing teammates to disseminate it in that uh, certain arena. I, I commend you for that work. You were gonna tell me two, two items before Brent took over
1: oh well yeah the the other one it's really it's it's on the back end uh which is uh all of us have a sense that the community has had to sacrifice when we shut down uh, non-essential surgeries yeah. and again non-essential is a frame of reference because if you're the person waiting to have your hip replaced sure. or to have your spinal surgery done or to have uh you know a, a hernia or something else it's it seems essential to you sure. but you're willing to compromise for a period of time so as you would expect we're, we're talking about a large number of uh, procedures and patients who are being backlogged and so we already have uh, Started forward on the plan for surgical reentry, uh, and again, we're being just as methodological about this, about what, what is the backlog? Where was it? Which facility? What surge, what surgeon or surgical division is involved? And so we're already deeply embedded and just as a thoughtful plan on how to hit surgical reentry as we did, uh, planning for the surge, which is, which isn't even here yet. So, just to reassure everyone that's involved, whether you're a patient or a nurse uh, or a CRNA or a surgeon, I mean, those plans are well underway.
0: Now, is this in partnership or in collaboration with our competitors in the community, given the fact that they may have a similar uh, timeline or thoughts as well?
1: I personally haven't had conversations with uh, other uh, market leaders, I, I think I'll defer to yeah, no, Dr. No, no, Matthews okay. on that one. Sure. Yeah, because he, he has been having conversations throughout the state, throughout the community. So I would, I would defer to him on that.
0: No worries. No worries. Um, Brent, what, what uh, sort of highlights do you have from all the different efforts that have gone into this response?
3: Yeah, I think there's a couple things. One is, uh, in Jeff's role, which is really it, truly an operational role for perioperative services uh, across Metro. So quite a bit of responsibility, a uh, co- tremendous amount of complexity to that. My role that's, uh, that's around, um, perioperative strategy, patient uh, safety, quality, and some of the more physician relationship related uh, issues. Um, again, with our uh, it, atrium health surgeons, our affiliated surgeons, uh, it's really forced Jeff and I to accelerate our the integration of the, the two roles. And, and this is something we've been on this journey for uh, quite some time now. But I think th- this process has really allowed us to understand how we can be most effective working together. Uh, because even though we have these defined roles and responsibilities and I don't know what the percentage is. probably twenty five percent of everything we do overlaps. Um, and and you 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 find that you have a partner who and, and a peer who uh, really um, gets the best out of what your responsibilities are by partnering with them. In the same uh, vein, uh, Caroline Rinke, who is our surgical quality officer, which is a role that's relatively new. Uh, has had to step up and partner with us because a lot of what we are challenged with right now is really about the, the quality of care that we're provided in a new environment or a new disease management, the safety of all the people involved in that. Uh, most of that is, is really fundamentally based on a, a clear, concise uh, communication, there are so many policies and, and position statements and guidelines that are coming through, um, making sure that we, 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 again, get that across the house of surgery. So I think it's also helped to really define what that role is. So coming out of this, um, these are uh, competencies that we're going to have that are going to make us stronger as we do just kind of our normal operations. There are a couple of other things that that, uh, have come through this that's really gonna change the way we take care of patients. Uh, One is all the virtual platforms that Mm -hmm, we're using mm -hmm. now uh, on our patients um, through all types of their experiences, uh, pre-op, post-op, testing, uh, instruction. uh, So those are gonna be care models that coming out of this that we will continue to use. Uh, we have a virtual hospital that's been developed yeah. by the system, uh, and that virtual hospital is something that I certainly could see standing up uh, after this, and mm-hmm. there are applications in surgery of how we could manage patients at home with a different care team managing that patient, oh,
0: that's...
3: Uh, whether that's, um, y- you know, paramedicine, whether yeah. it's uh, something through our um, uh, uh healthy at home, uh, um, uh, group. So uh, that, that's going to be something that's going to be new and different and that's going to be the new, new model. And, and so there are, there are a lot, there are multiple stories like that. And, and, and we really have to say when we get through this, uh, let's not go back to past state. We've uh, developed some things that are actually better for our patients. Um, and uh, so uh, I, I see many changes occurring.
0: Well, you hit on a couple of other conversations. Actually, tomorrow I have this, uh, the conversation scheduled with uh, Stephanie Murphy and Tom Bachelor and Valeria from the uh, paramedicine team about just that, the the virtual hospital and the, the, the future state of what will be. I mean, it's the present state of what we're offering during COVID-19, but uh, I want them to share just what you're alluding to. I think we're going to have an absolutely different new normal. And uh, those other services will be uh, definitely uh, partnering with how we deliver care uh, in this area. So thank you. Thank you. That's perfect. Jason, I just want to make sure I don't uh, exclude you from being able to share some of your thoughts on this.
2: Uh, I I don't have too much to add about that.
0: Oh, come on now.
2: (laughs) Well, I I would say that, that, and this, this, this may be a little bit off topic, but... What I have seen, and I spend almost all my time at Mercy. Yeah. it has uh, has has been an, an unbelievable amount of uh, preparing from the staff there. First of all, just the, just I'm really impressed that that you know these all the staff is and kind of putting themselves in harm's way to even come to work. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but they're doing it with a smile on their face, and the, and I and I see the perioperative nurses um uh, in taking modules, kind of learning to, so they can be prepared to be an, an emergency room nurse, which, you sure. know, they're really not, not specifically trained for right now, but they're getting training in that and they're kind of ready to, to fill the need, uh, for where the holes pop up. So, uh, you know, the amount of preparedness that I see within the hospital and, uh, just the, the, uh, the attitude, um, of the people who are, of the people who are the teammates who are coming in is, is I think it's it's really inspiring. So it's uh, I think we have a great team uh, within within Atrium, and and uh, it certainly shows at Mercy.
0: Well, uh, you 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 hit a, a couple of wonderful points, which is uh, I do completely agree with you that uh, the teams across the organization have really really stepped it up and uh, just shown their commitment to w- their willingness to help in whatever they're asked to do and that really uh, is inspiring quite honestly all right. so we're uh, we're running uh, forward with some really good uh, dialogue I wanted to make sure that I asked a couple of uh, incredibly fluff questions for you guys Um, one of which is um, how have you heard from or seen in the community and or your patients who've had to adapt to these changes that we put in place? Have you, you know, when we are deferring elective surgeries or when we're trying to put it in the context of this is for your benefit, how have they responded? Uh, I'll, let's start with you, Jason.
2: Um, you know, I within vascular surgery, I treat a lot of dialysis patients, yeah. and um, a, a, a lot of dialysis patients, uh, they're we are still considering their surgery essential. Sure. So I'm still operating a fair amount on them. They have a lot of uh, issues that come up with their dialysis accesses that yep. need to be operated on, or they could lead to death. So, yeah, right. So, so, but I also have a, a fair amount of dialysis patients whose surgery can be delayed. Right. And they 100% to the patient understand that their surgery can be delayed for several months. Uh, you know, usually two to three months is what we're asking initially. And they understand. And they haven't had any pushback from patients wanting to proceed on the surgeries that that we, at this point, we're, we're asking them to delay. So I, you know, I think that every, I think that the entire, not just the medical community, but the patients are also looking at this as a, as a, a, a community problem that they're, they want to be part of the solution. So I, I haven't seen, I, I haven't seen, um, I've, I, I've had a good experience with my patients.
0: That's awesome, uh, Jeff or or Brent.
2: I'll speak uh, uh,
1: regarding my patients, Saj. Uh, I take care of cancer patients, so. You know, the patients that who are deferring follow up on face to face, but doing virtual visits on for, for the most part, they're quite accepting and they're extremely appreciative of uh, still uh, keeping them in the surveillance mode and not just simply punting them down the road. Mm-hmm. I, I can say the the bigger challenges are on the patients that are new patients who've been told that they either have something that is cancer or something that's worrisome for cancer, and then in our current model, we're allowing them to come into the Levine Cancer Institute, but they're going to come in without their support system, which was yeah. very unique. We typically want them to come in with, you know, a partner, uh, a parent, uh, sure. you know, a spouse, uh, so we have at least two sets of ears. There's most people have another concerned individual that wants to hear what's going on, and so. Although we'll see the patient, uh, and typically we're using FaceTime or, or, or a phone just to provide uh, an information support, it, the emotional support's not there, uh, and it is it is challenging for the patient. It's challenging for the patients to come in the hospital and sit in the pre-op area alone,
2: Yeah,
1: uh, and it's challenging for them to sit in the hospital uh, alone in the first night after surgery, the second night after surgery, because most people have somebody else there, so...
3: Uh, yes they do understand it but it is it is a challenge yeah one of my concerns uh, about this situation is the the emotional toll that uh, it will it will have on the medical community um it's it, it you know in my lifetime it, it there's really never been a situation where coming to work is truly uh, taking a risk of my health uh, mm-hmm. in a way that's um, a, a little bit uncertain or un, unknown, and and there's a you know certainly a lot of people uh, doing that every single day, and that 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 could take a toll. That being said, uh, in the last two or three weeks, I have never had consistently more people thank me for what I do, um, whether that's a patient. Um, because we're communicating a lot. Uh, as Jeff said, we don't, that patients don't have family members here. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're communicating by phone and sometimes it's hard to get off the phone with uh, family members because they're just over and over saying, thank you for what you do. You, you have no idea how we support you, how the community supports you. So there, there is this Support that's happening, and and I hope it it is enough to keep people, uh, you know, moving forward because there there is a potential uh, toll on this in terms of high stress, risk environment that healthcare providers are in right now.
0: That's that's great, gentlemen. Thank you for sharing those points. All right, uh, the the second of my fluff questions, the the fluff questions. You guys made it very deep, though. You better stop that. All right, so how do you foresee or how are you experiencing the morale of your teammates? You know, it segues into what you just said, Brent. I'll let you start off. It's high stress, but how is the morale of our teams doing?
3: Yeah, I would say uh, if if morale is based on uh, alignment, uh, engagement, uh, having um, a, a shared uh, vision and working together, uh, it, it is certainly extremely high uh there are uh um, people that are that are having difficulties you know uh coping with this cuz whether it's themselves or people that they know have been affected by this or have gotten sick by this and and whether it's here in the charlotte community or somewhere else across the the us this is very real to people uh because of the toll that it that it's taking uh, but, you know, again, I, I think whether in our environment you're um, an intern in general surgery, you're the most seasoned person in the department, um, you're an affiliated uh, surgeon, you're one of our APPs who works across the uh, entire organization, It, it, it people are, are, are aligned to understand what the roles and responsibilities, what their role is to play for the community, and as a re- result of that, um, the just the, the the shared purpose I think is is really driving everyone forward. And, and again, that's not something we would always see in every situation when we don't have a situ- something like this uh, triggering us to, to uh, align differently. And, and again, coming out of this, you know that that, that may change uh, how we are. Uh, moving forward for the better. So, uh, yeah, uh, I I would say morale is good.
0: Well, and and the word that obviously has been repeated many a times is unprecedented. And so we're all having to learn through this, at least, you know, this and multiple other generations, quite honestly. So I'm sorry. And so let me ask Jason, how's the morale from your group, both from your office standpoint, from your other partners who are in independent practice?
2: uh well i mean the from my office it's the morale is, is is it's it's very high and and you know we I think that we we are all looking at this as a real challenge and and I think that when you're you you have a challenge like like we're that we have upon us, you know you can either be a part of the solution or a part of the problem and I think that within our group, I think myself and my partners have all taken our attitudes that we're going to get through this and we're going to be part of the solution. So within my group, I think that, that we all have a great attitude and we're, we've kind of acknowledged that, you know, this is going to be a tough year for us, but you know, this is why we came to, into medicine, just to help other people and to help the community. So this is where we're going to shine. And, but probably as impressed as I have been within my group, um, I, I've also been really impressed with. The staff at, at, in the hospitals, whether it be the nurses who are in direct contact with these really sick patients, to the nursing assistants, to the, to the, even for the, the, the physical therapists and, and everybody within the hospital, even the people who are, who run the cafeteria. I mean, those are all essential parts of the hospital and it has to run smoothly. And, and what I have seen is that it, we've all come together and everybody comes to work with a smile on their face. And we're going to get through this. And I think that at the end of it, we're all going to be proud of the effort we put into it. And uh, so that's that's it's, it's inspiring from my standpoint.
0: Excellent. Anything to add, Jeff, from your perspective?
1: No, I think uh, both uh, Jason and uh, Brent really have hit the high points well. So I have nothing else to embellish on.
0: Well, then I'm going to start the last and final question with you then, Jeff. What advice... Would you give to our teammates, our colleagues, our community, for these coming few weeks uh, as we continue to fight this this battle against coronavirus?
1: Well, so as, as we've all talked about, we were fortunate that we had a heads up from other parts of our country about how serious this how serious this was going to be. Yeah, and fortunately, it appears that the Charlotte community. Has taken this quite seriously uh, not just the medical community but the entire community and so my single piece of advice is let's just follow through you know we've 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 teed it up well and we've started our swing well let's let's follow through and make sure that we finish properly so that we don't get impatient uh, and get ahead of ourselves uh, and be regretful uh, that we uh, didn't follow through
0: that's, that's excellent Excellent. Um, Oh, I think I lost someone, but uh, Brent, what about you? Any uh, last words of advice?
3: Yeah, I I think that we uh, shouldn't shy away from being overprepared. This is a situation that if we look back and we're overprepared, we should be uh, proud of the fact that uh, we protected our community and uh, um it, we don't want to be in the situation of being under prepared mm-hmm. uh, and i think between the medical community doing their part and what jeff de- described the community uh, with so with uh, uh, social isolation doing their part uh we will likely come out of this looking like we're over prepared and and that's exactly where we should have been
0: yeah no that's great yeah i mean the overpreparedness better to, to say, well, okay, we were over-prepared and deal with that option then. Oh my gosh, we got caught with uh, something else. Okay, great, thank you. And of course, let's finish it off with you, Jason. What advice would you give to our colleagues or our community uh, as we continue this battle?
2: You know, I, I think that we are, we are right at the cusp of whether this is gonna be uh, really tough on us or, um, or, or not quite be as, as bad. And I think we've done a great job so far um, in preparing and I just think that we just got to continue the fight and um, and then when 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 the peak is when we're over the peak I think that we need to not celebrate too quickly we need to make sure that we you know follow through on all this social distancing until um, our our leaders tell us that it's safe to not do that so uh, um, I, I'm I think we're all looking forward to getting this behind us but um, it, it we've done a lot of work so far but we're not done yet
0: awesome all right, gentlemen, I greatly appreciate your perspectives uh, as surgeons, as clinicians, and as community members uh, on this topic and the efforts that you all have individually and collectively put into this. So thank you very much and continue to fight and uh, and appreciate your time.
1: Thanks, Ash. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. thank you. Thank you.
0: These discussions reveal our passion, our commitment, and our culture. Stay safe, stay strong, and stay Atrium Health Proud.